Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. This is the Unfiltered Entrepreneur. My name is Ashley Pollard. Here you will find business tips, entrepreneurial advice, and an honest account of mistakes I make along the way. I will also have some friends along for the ride who can add in their own experience, obstacles, and what we can all learn from each other. Entrepreneurship can be a lonely road, but not in my circle. We are all in this together. Hello, hello, and welcome back to a new episode of The Unfiltered Entrepreneur. Today, I am primarily talking to that powerhouse or achiever archetype. And if you are a go-getter or enthusiast archetype, then that's perfectly fine. We welcome you also. But this is definitely going to be pointed to someone who's maybe a little bit further along. And if you're like, what the hell are these archetypes? Don't worry. You can take the quiz with the link in our show notes here. You can find the link in the link in our bio on social, or you can check it out on our website. What we want to talk about today is how to build a sustainable, long-lasting business. Now, at this point, hopefully you have found your way. You know your processes, you know your methods, you have your best practices, you know how much you want to charge, you know what you're about, you know what you're not about, you know what's good for you, what's not good for you. Maybe you started building a team. And the thing is, is that what gets you to that point is momentum. Going really fast or going really hard is one of the best ways to grow your business at the beginning because it gets you going. It's also when you're probably the most excited, right? You have that new idea, you're excited about it, you want to see it through. So with that said, you are building this machine. You have a machine that you're kind of creating piece by piece, right? Checking off the boxes of like, I want to figure out my pricing. Okay, I did that. I want to figure out my services. Okay, I did that. I want to build multiple revenue streams. Check. I want to build a team. Check. So you kind of do the like, I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to kind of vibe. Then you get to a point where you think, okay, what I'm doing is not lasting. And I knew that that point was coming. There was a point about January, maybe like December that I was like, I have about four or five months in me before I crash and burn. So what I'm going to do is I'm so close to that finish line of being at the end of the beginning. I had just hustled for two years. I worked every single day, mostly all day to build this business and no excuses. And I allowed myself to pivot. I gave myself grace. I tried new things. I tried things that I ended up hating. I tried things that I ended up being bad at. I tried things that ended up showing me where my preferences were. I landed in this place where I was like, I only have about four or five months until I reach burnout and I could feel it coming. So what I did is I prepped to have a full month off of work. I prepped to have all of April completely off and most of May. Now, the way that I did that is I did not take strategy sprint clients. I did not do VIP days. I kept the doers. I kept my monthly retainers and I did not do any other work. Those things are definitely still work. I'm not going to act like I was sitting around twiddling my thumbs and my clients know that I was showing up for them, but I was trying to do as little as possible so that I could rest. I saw it coming. I saw the burnout creeping in. And so integrating that into my schedule really, really, really helped me maintain the momentum that I needed in order to keep going. So what I did is I saw the finish line within a distance. Like let's say you're running a long distance. I could see the finish line and I decided to make a break for it. 
all of Q1, I just raced as hard as I could. We made $150,000 in three months. And that was to float us for the next three months in case I never made a single dollar in April, May, or June, just to give me that space. So I took off April, I took off half of June, and it felt incredible. So I'm wondering for you, how are you feeling? And if you're feeling like burnout is around the corner, do you financially have the runway to accommodate two weeks totally off, a month kind of off, six weeks barely working? If so, take it. You have my permission, you have my encouragement, you have to take time off to keep a maintainable, sustainable business. Something that I now have made a promise to myself is that once a quarter, I did, started this about a year ago, I decided every quarter I will take a week off. No working, you cannot reach me, you cannot be in contact with me, I am tapped out, I am not around, I am not on social, I'm off the grid. And that was my way to kind of just be like, let me regather my composure, which has been really good for me. Something that I'm also going to continue doing is I will continue to take April off because that was so good for me that it's something that I want to look forward to. I want to start the year with fresh, revived energy. I'm one of those people that New Year's to me does really light me up. I do feel that fresh start energy. So for me, I want January, February, March. I want to be working really hard in those months. And then I want to celebrate with taking April fully off. It's also my birthday month and I love a birthday. So that's kind of nice. The first thing that I'm encouraging you here to create a really long-lasting sustainable business is take time off. There is nothing cool about working every single minute of your life. And as someone who was doing that, I still found time to take off. One of my little tricks is calling time off weekend time. Now that doesn't mean it has to be the weekend because if I'm feeling excited about something and it's a Saturday, I'm not going to put it off. I'm going to do it right then. I'm not doing anything else. I'm sitting on the couch. It's 11 a.m. on a Saturday. Like, I'm just going to do it right now, knock it out, whatever it is. But the thing is, is that like if I have nothing to do on a Wednesday at one, then that's weekend time. You know, I could take four hours off. I could take three hours off on a Thursday. I could take a full day off on a Monday if I wanted to. I've also built a calendar that supports the kind of lifestyle that I want. And people have asked me like, how did you land on your calendar? Like, do you have any tips? Do you have any tips? And I have good news and bad news. The good news is that I will tell you what I did <laughs> and why it helps me. But the bad news is that like it won't help you because the way that I did this is fully based on my biology, my preferences, the lifestyle I'm leading, the city I live in, the people that I spend time with. So for you, it could be completely different. But the calendar that I use is that Mondays I have off. Not off off, but I have no hard stop. I don't take a single call on a Monday. I use that time to be inside of my business. And a lot of people, well, I shouldn't even say a lot of people. I used to think there's no way that I can give up Mondays. Like Mondays should be the day that I'm with my clients. That should be the most important day. But instead what I said was, hey, clients, you guys are probably all focusing on your own Mondays. How about we do our check-ins on Tuesdays? You use Monday to get back into your business, to check in with clients, to kick off the week right. We will touch base on Tuesdays. So all my retainer clients I now talk to on Tuesdays. But Mondays are my day. Mondays are the day that I can sleep in if I want. I can work on things within my business. I can get ahead of some things. I can check my finances. I can follow up on contracts or 
Anything that is needed on the backend admin side of things, I do on Mondays. I also check in with my team on Mondays and I just see how everyone's doing, what's coming through the pipeline, all of that kind of stuff. Tuesdays are when I have calls. Tuesdays are call days. So that to me means look cute, (laughs) put a curl in your hair, for God's sake, put on some mascara. And I talk to my retainer clients. I talk to anybody in the doers who has booked a call. I have any sort of like meetings with others. I try to do Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Wednesdays, I always start the day with a really long co-working session with the doers, with MPEM and with the consulting clients that I have. And the reason why I start Wednesdays that way is because I always have a VIP day on Thursday. So that morning, that day before the VIP day, I'm getting prepped. I spend about three to four hours before every VIP day getting fully prepared. So that's my time to dive into the notes to see what they're interested in, to see what we want to work on. What kind of questions do I have? What kind of ideas do I have? It's my way to get creative with it. Wednesdays for me typically stop around three. I try to make social plans on Wednesdays. That's kind of my thing. So Tuesday, Wednesdays, I'm with clients. Thursdays, I'm also with clients, but I only do a VIP day. So on Thursdays, I have my VIP day with whoever has booked it that Thursday because we pretty much book every single VIP day of the month. And that's about four hours. So I still have a pretty chill morning. Maybe that's when I'll do office hours with the doers. Maybe that's when I'm pitching new clients. Maybe I am checking in with the team. Maybe I'm having coffee with a connection of mine. I'll dive into the VIP day midday until about four or five. That will be the end of that day. And then on Fridays, I do no calls with clients, typically no calls with clients. And Fridays are my discovery call days for two reasons. One, I love ending Fridays with discovery calls, mainly because so much of my sales pages, so much of my sales collateral gives all of the information that could be relatively necessary for them. So people aren't joining these discovery calls because they're curious about, do I join or not? They're more so saying like, which one is right for me? You know, how do I start? I'm excited to begin. It's really fun to end the week on a Friday with five or six discovery calls and people saying, great, when can I sign? I'll pay the invoice today. It's just the best way to go into the weekend being like, great, I made $3,500 today or $500 today or $1,000 today. So that just feels really good to be able to go into the weekend, having all those discovery calls, preferably, hopefully, yeses, if we're the right person for them and if they're the right person for us. I also like to always do office hours on Friday, just a really great way to see everybody in the doers and answer any questions and support in any way. So that's how I stack my weeks. I highly recommend that you find your own way to stack your weeks so that you are finding what's right for you, for your preferences, for the lifestyle you want to lead. I try to make sure that I have time alone. I try to make sure that I have time with others. I try to make sure that I have time to just like be lazy at home and to go out and have some fun, time with friends, time with loved ones, the whole thing, while also running a half a million dollar agency, if not more by the end of the year. So those are my two things so far. Take time off, build a schedule that works for you. Three is build a machine. And when I say build a machine, this is something that I say often to people. And in essence, a machine is something that works without you present. So for me, that would be, I would love to see a digital funnel for you. I'd love to see a funnel into your high ticket services. I would love to see a way for you to have ongoing commitments. So maybe people sign six month contracts with you so that you know that you don't have to like chase new clients every single month. 
Maybe there's recurring revenue. Maybe there's passive revenue. Have a business that you can tap into. For instance, there was a time in my business that my mental health was so bad that I just could not work. I could not do much. I could not get out of bed. I felt like the world was closing in on me and that I just wanted to quit everything. But the fact that I had passive revenue, passive offers, passive downloads, I was able to make still an okay amount of money laying in bed, hardly posting on social and hardly sending emails. So that was really nice for me versus me having to push through like I did in a full-time job and suck it up and make excuses or take off work or use a sick day when I wasn't feeling myself. So having that machine kind of built where you don't have to be present, maybe there's recurring payments from a text messaging service or a group program or a membership or some sort of subscription. Maybe there is somebody on your team who can run the service and you're making you know, margin on top of that. So have a machine that doesn't necessarily need you present to run. And speaking of team, the fourth thing I have for you here is hire support or substitutes. Now, when people want to hire, they say, I need a team, I need a team, I need a team. Now, one, a lot of people say this because it sounds good. Oh, well, yeah, I have a team. Cool. Great. Good job. You did it. You know, like then you have to pay for them and you have to make sure that you're showing up as a really great leader and you want to make sure that you have responsibilities for them and that you are taking ownership for your actions and that you're being the leader in charge. Some people don't really understand what goes into team building. So if you want to grow a team because you genuinely want to expand and your business needs that accommodation, great. What you have to ask yourself is, do I want to hire support or substitutes? And the question there is really, do I need somebody to take things off my plate or do I need someone else doing the identical thing as me where we both do all of the work, but she takes on some of it? So in essence, are you splitting things down the middle in the center where then it becomes two identical standing moments? Or do you cut something down the middle where somebody is below you supporting with menial tasks while do you take on the bigger above ground tasks? I prefer to go with hiring support because if I'm going to hire somebody different than me, we both have a lot of work that we don't want to do. So I think it's best to hire support first and then a substitute. The last thing I want to mention is that I want you to get better or get good at listening and then deciding. You cannot have a sustainable business if you take everybody's advice as Bible. Even everything that I said in this episode, there will be people who vehemently disagree with it. And guess what? They're completely correct. Because the thing is, for preferences, for lifestyle choices, for value systems, for upbringings, for industries, different answers are both right. So you have to seek out people who are similar to you, who share the same values as you, who have what you want, and you have to discern the advice that they're giving you, including me. Is this applicable to me? Is she talking to me? It's part of the reason that I like to lead with an archetype because there's part of this where a go-getter should not be listening to this. A go-getter and my archetypes is typically someone relatively new to business. And if so, they don't need a machine it's not the right time to be taking off. I don't think you need to hire support. So listen to the advice and discern if it's meant for you, if it's right for you, and if it's something you want to see if it works. Because what happens is that I see people trying on advice for size and saying, it doesn't fit, I'm the problem. When in reality, you're a size seven shoe and you tried on a size eight. You just need a different shoe. 
Glad you tried it on. Now you know you're not that size. So I want you to think about the advice that you're taking in and absorbing and making sure that it's applicable to you, it's right for you, and that the person who's giving you that advice is the kind of leader you want to be yourself and that you foresee yourself being. You know, is that the way that I want to go? So with all that said, the gist of this, of building a sustainable business, is one, making sure that you have the strong infrastructure, making sure you have the right tech, making sure your marketing is great, making sure you know your ideal client, a line out the door. I could name all of that stuff. But to me, what's most important is that you take time off, you make great educated decisions, you hire appropriately, and you really start to think about a business that's going to support you long-term because the business that supports you long-term is typically never the same business that you started with. Discern the difference of those two. Say goodbye to the past business that you had, which is kind of what I did in April. I said, I'm saying goodbye to a business I once had. I'm saying goodbye to a vision I once had, and I'm migrating to a new normal because this new normal, this is where I want to live. This is where I want to build my home. All of these other versions of my business have been starter homes. They've been rental properties. And now I'm ready to build the home that I want to live in for, I don't know, maybe the rest of my life or at least the next five to 10 years. All of that to say, find your own way. Keep coming back for insight and advice, especially as we talk about more high-level topics over the next couple weeks. And I will see you on the next episode of The Unfiltered Entrepreneur. Hold up, don't leave quite yet. The good just gets better. I know it might be expensive to hire me for my services, so I've created a free way for you to get all of my best for any question you have. Click the link in the show notes to drop us a voice note, and I promise you I will answer every single one of them on the podcast for free. This has been a Fast Forward production. To learn more about them, check out at the women are speaking on Instagram for more information. Thank you.